On Christmas Eve, 2008, in a quiet neighborhood of Covina, California, an eight-year-old girl excitedly opens the front door of her grandparents' home to greet the big man in red, Santa Claus. Her squeals of delight quickly turned to screams of terror when the man dressed as Santa began to unload the clip of a 9 millimeter handgun into her and her family members. The events that followed left nine innocent people dead and three wounded. For those who survived, the holidays would never be the same again. This is episode 10, The Christmas Eve Massacre. Welcome to Creep Your Heart Out. Hey everyone, welcome to Creep Your Heart Out. I'm Monica. And I'm Nick. And this is a weekly podcast where we talk about all things wild, wicked, and weird. You may have noticed we have some new theme music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I had an idea like a week or two ago. I was like, I don't really like the direction that this podcast has been going in. <laughs> For me, it like it just wasn't I just feel like there wasn't anything unique about it. I was listening through the episodes. And I didn't really like my own voice and kind of the pace that we were going at and all this stuff. So I thought maybe we'll revamp it a little bit and kind of do some new theme music. I want to at some point maybe commission somebody to do some artwork for us instead of the piece of shit that I threw together <laughs> when we started this whole thing. Because, uh, yeah, now we're, we're at episode 10, which means that we're 10 weeks into this. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You like the uh, piece of shit I threw together for the theme song, though. Oh, it, I love it. I mean, I liked the first one a lot, but it wasn't really... It, it worked at first, but it, it wasn't really what I had pictured yeah. after the fact. I mean, you know what I mean? I was, was, I was kind of like, I want something more spooky. Yeah. Something that kind of really shows what what we're all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a little intense. Like yeah, It was. I'm a punk metal guy, so mm-hmm. I think it was a little like... <laughs> yeah. Bomb, bomb. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really like what you did with the new music. So Thank I hope, you. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Yeah. So today we have a little bit of a crazy story. Maybe not as crazy as some of the ones we've done in the past, but no, no, this is probably the craziest yeah. one, I'd have to say. Because as of, what's what's the date today? The 27th, when we're recording this, you guys all hear this on the 28th on Monday of June. Two days ago is uh six months until christmas oh yeah isn't that crazy we're already halfway through to christmas it's insane so the case that we're going to be talking about today is the christmas eve massacre oh that sounds fun Mm -hmm. have you ever heard of this i have not (laughs) i can imagine it was some kind of horribly violent act that happened some kind of massacre oh god Uh Hmm. yeah Right. Buckle up. Buckle up, buttercup. We're, we're going on a ride. <laughs> <laughs> so today's case brings us out west to California in December of 2008. 80-year-old Joseph Ortega and his wife, 70-year-old Alicia, were planning their annual Christmas Eve party, which they held at their home at 1129 Knollcrest Drive in Covina. Covina A quiet and safe community is a suburb located about 20 miles east of the city of Los Angeles. 
The Ortegas had been married for 53 years, which is like, holy shit. Yeah, good for them. I mean, me and you have been together for two years, and it feels like a lifetime, so. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, they were married for 53 whole years and still very much in love. They were retired from their spray painting business hmm. and loved the Christmas holiday, where they looked forward to spending quality time with their family. And they had a pretty big family. Joseph and Alicia had invited their five adult children, Sylvia, Alicia, Leticia, Charles, and James, and their families over to their home for the annual event, which I thought was, I, I had to double check that because they're Joseph and Alicia and they have a daughter named Alicia. All right. So we should just call her like Alicia Jr. <laughs> or something. I've just never heard of, I think that's like an old school thing to name because you know, it's still very common to name your kids after usually their father yeah, or their grandfather. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I think it's more of a, an old timey thing to name a daughter after their mother. I feel like it'd be more like newer. No, you know, I mean, less, I've heard less, of it. Less patriarchy. I, I heard kinda. of it more in, in stories of families from like the 1800s or oh, before wow, really? that. Yeah. Well, so in this case, so I don't get confused because I probably will. Should we just call her Alicia Jr.? Uh, Sure. So about 25 to 30 guests attended the party that evening. Mm -hmm. After a nice Christmas dinner, some of the adults, including Joseph and his wife, stayed in the dining room where they played Texas Hold'em. The children went off to various parts of the house, some to play video games in front of the living room TV and others in the backyard by the pool. The Ortega's 17-year-old grandson, Michael, was upstairs on the family computer. Around 11.30 that evening, with the hour growing late, some of the adult guests began to gather near the front of the house, getting ready to leave. Suddenly, there came a sharp knock on the front door. Eight-year-old Katrina Yusupolsky, I may have said that wrong, Katrina Yusupolsky, the daughter of Letitia, ran up and threw open the front door to reveal a great tall man in a Santa costume holding a large wrapped package. It was almost midnight on Christmas Eve, and here he was. Katrina's face lit up at the sight of him. She screamed, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, just as the man pulled out a 9mm semi-automatic handgun and shot her point blank in the face. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I probably didn't think it was going to get so serious so Jesus. quick, right? Oh my God, I know. It like freaks me out. It gives me a chill. The man then stepped over the threshold and began to open fire on everyone in sight. When the first few shots were fired, panic ensued, and many of the adults grabbed their children and fled from the house. James Ortega, Katrina's uncle, was the second family member to be shot, though he was not mortally wounded. It was then that his brother Charles recognized the man in the Santa suit. He yelled, it's Bruce, before getting shot, shot down himself. The Ortega brothers, despite being wounded, tried to restrain the man, but it was no use. The gunman continued to make his way through the home, firing at anyone in sight. The elderly Ortegas, along with their three daughters, Sylvia, Alicia, and Leticia, and their daughter-in-law, Teresa, had ducked down from their poker game and had hidden under the dining room table, but it was no use. The gunman approached and opened, fired on the, opened fire on the group, 
killing the elderly couple and their daughter, Sylvia, and wounding most of the others. When the gunman ran out of ammunition, he unwrapped the package he'd been holding, revealing a homemade flamethrower, which he used to spray 18 gallons of high-octane racing fluid racing fuel around the Ortega's home. Damn. The look on your face right now. Just like, Did someone, like, one of the adults involved in some shit? <laughs> well, you'll find out. That, like, this sounds like something out of, like, like Scarface or something. I know, like, I know. It's, it's, it's horrific. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he's walking around. He sprays 18 gallons of high-octane racing fuel around the house, which you know more, more about fuel than I do. So that's mm-hmm. something you put, obviously, in race cars. But that, is that because... High-octane rating, it burns actually more efficiently. More efficiently? Yeah. Okay. People, like, for instance, I had heard that, like, rocket fuel is actually, like, however they, ma- like, the math or they, the measurements go, it doesn't necessarily burn hotter. It just burns way more efficiently. I mean, you, okay. get, you can get more bang out of less. So, so what do you think would be the purpose of using racing fuel to burn down a house rather than like regular gasoline i don't know that's what's so weird about it. like that's like even for it to be that specific and expensive of an accelerant that's why my first thought was one of the adults have got to be involved in some kind of crime or organized <laughs> I don't, crime i don't think they, so <laughs> and they fucked up big time no well <laughs> Spoiler that, alert, that's not the case. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I that's think just a very oddly specific thing. Maybe to he use. just already had it around his house or something like that. Or maybe, who knows? Maybe we'll find out I after. I don't know. I'm still just like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> so a moment later, the house exploded in a fiery mass with flames reaching as high as 40 to 50 feet. The gunman fled the house in a getaway car leaving behind a mess of deadly destruction and confusion. Most of the partygoers were able to escape the house without injury, probably because they had been towards the back of the house or out in the backyard when the shooting began. The Ortega's daughter, Leticia, had managed to escape the house with her husband and daughter, Katrina, who was bleeding from the gunshot to her face. The little family managed to get over to a neighbor's house where they called 911. The 911 call is pretty hard to hear. Too. I don't want to hear, hear it. No, you no, don't I don't want to hear, hear it. Okay. I don't like that stuff. It's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. She's basically saying um, the house is burning down. There's a man inside shooting. We know who the man is. He came and sh- shooting the family. Like It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty horrible to listen to, but I didn't listen to the whole thing. I listened to the beginning of it and I was like, nope, I don't can't like listen to that. Like that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's horrible. Well, Katrina was rushed to the hospital to be treated for her injuries. Luckily, The bullet had only grazed her jaw, and so she survived. Two other family members had been injured but had survived as well, including a 16-year-old girl who was shot in the back and a 20-year-old 20, 20 woman who had broken her ankle when she escaped by jumping out of a second-story window. But many of the other family members were not so lucky. As the second floor of the Ortega's house collapsed, firefighters began work putting out the flames. It took a team of 80 firefighters an hour and a half to extinguish the flames, and then they began to recover bodies from the wreckage. 80 firefighters? Can you imagine what that must have looked like? I mean, how big was this house? 
It was just a two-story house, a few yeah. bedrooms. It wasn't a suit. Well, he was using that crazy, like, high-octane fuel. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And they, they said it was uh, in a middle-class neighborhood, so it wasn't like a mansion or anything. It was just a house. It was just like a, a two-story, mm-hmm. you know, single-family house. But, yeah, the thing fucking exploded. 40, 50-foot flames. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. The bodies of nine people were recovered from the home. The victims included 80-year-old Joseph Ortega, 70-year-old Alicia Ortega, 43-year-old Sylvia Pardo, 49-year-old Charles Ortega, Charles's wife, 45-year-old Sherry Lynn Ortega, 52-year-old James Ortega, James's wife, 51-year-old Teresa Ortega, 46-year-old Alicia Ortiz, which is Joseph and Alicia's daughter, Alicia, mm-hmm. Alicia Jr. Okay. And the youngest and only non-adult victim, 17-year-old Michael Ortiz. Three of the deaths were from gunshot wounds alone. Four were from a combination of gunshots and fire. And two of the victims were killed in either the explosion or in the fire caused by the explosion. All of the victims were burnt beyond recognition. And dental and medical records had to be used to identify them. Damn. Mm-hmm. Immediately upon arrival, police began to question family members and neighbors, trying to identify the brutal attacker. Family members were able to identify the gunman right away for police, for he was actually a former member of the family. Yeah, they know his name was Bruce. Mm-hmm. Oh. The man was Bruce. 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 The man was Bruce Jeffrey Pardo the recent ex-husband of the Ortega's daughter, Sylvia Pardo. Oh, and how old was the daughter? 43. 43, okay. Mm-hmm. So there's like three generations here. Yes, there's the grandparents who own the house, mm-hmm. and then their five children, mm-hmm. and then their, their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One neighbor, who had also called 911, gave the description of the getaway car, a blue Dodge Caliber, Police immediately put out an APB for the vehicle and started the search for Bruce Pardo. Damn. Yeah, isn't that crazy? How do you spell his last name? P-A-R-D-O. Okay. What, do you think he's Italian or something? No, no, it could be, I don't know, could be Spanish, Italian, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if it was like, because no, because I knew people named Pardo, but it's it's New England, so it was like French, it was like P-A-R-D- No, 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 P-A-R-D-O-U-X. P-A-R-D-O. Okay. No, 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 he's not French. Meanwhile... About 40 miles away in Silmar, another suburb of L.A., another call came in to police. A man named Brad Pardo had come home late from a Christmas party to find his brother lying dead in a pool of blood, seemingly from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Police arrived at around 3.30 a.m. to discover that their suspect in the Ortega family massacre, Bruce Pardo, had died from a single gunshot wound to the head from a 9mm handgun. Handgun, not ham gun. <laughs> the Man, L- what? I hate, hate when they do that. And they take the coward's way out because then they don't get to go to like prison for the rest of their life and get I know. Like, butt raped well, by people. Well, you'll, you'll see why he killed himself. Yeah. Because well, I, <laughs> originally, I well, don't... Well, the guy clearly is not well. <laughs> originally, I don't think he was planning on killing himself, but he ended no. up ultimately killing himself before police even... Apprehended him, yeah. The L.A. County Coroner's Office was able to determine 
that because of the exit wound at the top of Bruce's head, he had probably put the gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. The medical examiner noted that Pardo was covered in second and third degree burns, mostly on his arms, and that parts of the Santa suit he had been wearing had adhered to his skin and could not all be removed. Uh. Yeah, that sucks. He was also found to have trace amounts of cocaine in his system. Additionally, Pardo had been found with $17,000 cash on him, both strapped to his legs with cling wrap and hidden inside his girdle. Hmm. Two 9mm semi-automatic handguns were recovered from the scene at Pardo's brother's home. One had been in Pardo's lap, the other on the floor beside him. Outside the residence, police found Pardo's rented blue Dodge Caliber, which he had used to flee the scene of the murders and arson. Inside, police found the remnants of Pardo's Santa suit, rigged to detonate the car with hundreds of rounds of ammunition if police tried to remove it. This guy's fucking wild, right? Holy shit. I know. The car was immediately treated as a threat, and the bomb squad was called in. While attempting to defuse the rig, the explosive detonated and the car was engulfed in flames. Fortunately, there were no injuries. I had also heard from some other sources that the bomb squad had fired an incendiary device into the car to intentionally set it off. Mm -hmm. But like different sources were saying different things. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that one kind of made more sense to me that they were probably trying to diffuse it first because why would they want to blow something up i mean it was found in a residential neighborhood you're not just gonna blow up a car on purpose so yeah that kind of made more sense to me at bruce's home in montrose police recovered four 12 round capacity handguns as well as around 2,000 rounds of ammunition a benelli m2 tactical shotgun and a container for high octane gasoline The police had also uncovered what they described as a virtual bomb factory in the home. They found Pardo had many detailed drawings and plans for rigging bombs and flamethrowers. Police speculated that the motive for the attack was related to he and Sylvia's marital problems, though oddly, Pardo had had no previous arrests and no history of violence whatsoever. Damn. Which is so crazy to me because how does somebody go from having no previous arrest, no criminal background, no history of violence, yeah. and then all of a sudden they are just building fucking explosives yeah. Yeah. like pipe bombs and flamethrowers and mm-hmm. just loading up on all these guns and ammunitions, especially in California. Because California, I mean, this wasn't that long ago. This was only 13 years ago, not mm-hmm. even. And I know, as far as I know, California has really strict gun laws. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very hard to get guns out there. And maybe it was easy for him because he had no criminal background. Yeah, but, I mean. But I mean, for him to get all these like semi-automatic weapons and you know tactical shotguns oh, yeah, and all I mean, this who, stuff. Who the, who the hell knows? And like and the other weird thing, yeah, he's got no history of like mental illness, no history of violence. Well, I didn't say no history of mental illness. I actually oh. don't know if he did or not, but I'm pretty okay. sure he didn't. But no but, history of, of violent outbursts or anything Mm -hmm. so it's like he had to have a long time to plan this that's a long time to be angry well you'll soon find out that he didn't really have a lot of time to plan this or maybe he did but sounds like he he was doing it on the down low i don't know i mean it's kind of crazy it's a long time to be angry at someone i know it's just crazy to me and you know i don't i don't know i mean 
I've personally never been pissed off enough to make bombs and right. shoot up like, an entire I home. I feel like by the time I get the Home Depot, I pretty much have calmed down at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Not, that, to, not that's to make a saying. joke out of it, but it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. if I really hated somebody, I'm like, I'm going to blow up his house. Like, I feel like the time I get to the Home Depot park, I'll have to pick up the, the pipes and all the stuff to make this shit. I'd be like, eh. I'm gonna have a. I'm just gonna have a candy bar and leave or something. Yeah, like, yeah. exactly. It, it's just it's insane, and there's really no real answers to me why he did this. I mean, we'll kind of get into it, but there's no real answer to me that makes me go, "Oh, I understand why he did that." You know what right, I mean? It's yeah, insane. It's, it's crazy. So, a little history on Bruce here. Bruce Pardo was a 45 year old California native living in Montrose. He had graduated from California State University in Northridge with a master's degree in electrical engineering. Pardo met Sylvia Orza back in 2004. Sylvia had had three children that she was raising from a previous marriage, and Bruce claimed to have no children of his own. The two hit it off and began dating and were married in January of 2006. Pardo was the prime breadwinner for the family. Having a master's degree, Bruce worked at a high-paying job as an electrical engineer at ITT Electronic Systems. Unfortunately, it didn't take long for the couple to grow apart. Pardo had refused to have a joint bank account with his wife and also expected her to support her own three children with her own finances. Hmm. So they're all living together and then he's making her buy them food and clothes and all this yeah. stuff. And he's making, he made something like an insane amount more than she did. Yeah. He was making, it was something like three or four times the amount that yeah. she made. I I like don't, when I'm you not, marry someone with kids who's a single parent, you kind of take it on that role. Yeah. You know? I mean, you kind of sign up for that by yeah. marrying them. I mean, yeah. you're, and, and then you have joint assets, you know, I mean, you don't, I guess you don't necessarily have to have a joint bank account. I probably personally wouldn't, but I mean, as far as everything else goes, I mean, you'd hope that you would share it and, you know, kind of support each other and pay for it together. So it's just insane to me that he did that. Well, to make matters worse, Sylvia discovered that Pardo did have a child from a previous marriage that he had concealed from her since their relationship began. A few years earlier, in 2001, Pardo had been married. I think he was married. Either that or it was a girlfriend or something. But some sources said he was married. Other sources said they were just in a relationship together. But, well, he was with this woman uh, named Elena Lucano. The two were described as having sort of an on-and-off relationship, despite having a 13-month-old son named Matthew. Hmm. One Saturday afternoon, Pardo was watching Matthew while Elena was out shopping. Elena came home to find Pardo frantically holding the unconscious child. Apparently, the toddler had crawled away when Pardo wasn't paying attention and fell into the couple's swimming pool. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. They rushed Matthew to a nearby hospital where paramedics were able to resuscitate him. Matthew was then airlifted to Children's Hospital in L.A., a world-renowned trauma center specializing in severe pediatric care. During the first week in the ICU, Pardo never left Matthew's bedside. Unfortunately, a few weeks later, 
doctors concluded that the child was severely brain damaged and would be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Damn. I know that's so tough. Yeah, like having a, a perfectly normal, healthy kid, and then mm. all of a sudden now you have a extremely special needs kid yeah. that's just bound to a wheelchair forever and, yeah. you know, is going to need constant round-the-clock care, especially with him being that little, mm. too, 13 months. Yeah. Well, less than six months later, the couple split, and Pardo stopped visiting his son altogether. He also neglected to contribute to Matthew's medical costs, which surged up to around $340,000 in the first Damn. year. America, baby. Yeah. Mm. Elena was able to sue Pardo on his $100,000 home, homeowner's insurance policy and set up a trust fund for $240 per month for the rest of Matthew's life, which is not a lot of money. No. Again, it was $340,000 in the first year. Yeah. And he's going to give her $240 a month. Yeah, this guy's... A, That's, like, barely going to even he's make a dent. He's an electrical engineer. He makes good money. Like yeah. What the fuck's his problem? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be making six figures. I don't, oh, I don't fucking know. That's just... Well, he's living in California, what, 2013 when this happened? 2008. 2008, yeah. Mm -hmm. so well, was... this, this incident happened in 2001. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The settlement was reached in August of 2002. And after that, Pardo stopped all communication... And never saw Elena or his son, Matthew, ever again. However, Pardo's mother regularly stayed in touch with her grandson and Elena, much to his dismay. And later, police thought that his mother might have also been a target. Hmm. When Sylvia discovered this information, she was absolutely furious. Pardo had kept his son's existence and condition a secret from Sylvia, Throughout their entire relationship, how did she find out the new the new girlfriend, uh, his new wife Sylvia? I don't know how she found out, but I kind of feel like she must have found out probably from his mother, mm. who, like I said, had kept in touch with um, Elena and Matthew over mm -hmm. the years. Mm -hmm. So I have kind of a feeling that she found out from her. Mm. Mm She'd also found out that Pardo had secretly been claiming his son, Matthew, as a tax dependent for several years. This guy's a piece of shit, huh? Yeah, like, <laughs> it's epic terrible. piece of shit. Yeah, I know. I have to think, I don't know how taxes work and stuff, but I know typically when you claim somebody on your taxes, you have to put their social security number in. So I don't know if, I'll, I mean, I assume Elena would be, would be you know, claiming him. So I don't know how he was also claiming him. And then, because you get money back, mm -hmm. obviously, when you have a kid, you get money back on your taxes for that. So it's mm -hmm. just, I don't know, maybe it just slipped by in the IRS or something like that. But like, seriously, though, like, what a piece of shit. Yeah. You're going to give the kid no money. You're going to have no contact with him whatsoever. And you're going to claim him as a dependent. Yeah. So you get probably a couple thousand dollars a year from him. Yeah. Like, what a piece of fucking shit. Yeah. Well, he did anyway, but not before he did some horrible shit. Yeah. It's not fair. I know. Investigators suspect that this was likely the reason for the divorce. Sylvia Pardo filed for divorce from her husband, Bruce, in March of 2008. The two had had a messy divorce. In June of 2008, the court ordered Pardo to pay Sylvia $10,000 as a part of the divorce settlement, as well as an additional $1,785 a month in spousal support. 
Sylvia also got to keep her wedding ring, wedding ring and family dog. Huh. I think he got to keep the house. A month after the divorce settlement, Pardo was filed, fired from his job at ITT for billing false hours. Because he was terminated, he did not qualify for a severance package or unemployment. Pardo and Sylvia once again found themselves in the courtroom. At court, Pardo complained that Sylvia was spending lavishly. She had recently bought a luxury car, had been on gambling trips to Vegas, was dining in fine restaurants, and was treating herself to massages and golf lessons. She was also living rent-free with her parents. Gotta say, and when that does happen, sometimes that is kind of shitty. I mean, it is shitty, but it's actually, there's nothing the court really can do. Once once you settle on an agreement Mm -hmm. for how much money you're going to pay somebody, as far as I know, in divorce court. So if you're paying someone alimony Mm -hmm. or you give them a lump sum settlement, whether it's like, I mean, that's kind of like saying, you know, if, if we were married and divorced and we lived in a house and- I got the house and the divorce settlement, then mm-hmm. whatever, once we settle, that's it. And if I want to sell the house and make a profit and go move into an apartment, I can do that. Right. It's I'm just saying, the in, fact. in certain situations, like obviously it's got a piece of shit, but like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I've also known people, like, when that's happened, like, they get divorced and stuff, and like, mm-hmm. they have to pay their ex, like, all this money, and they do, they blow it on, like, dumb stuff, and then the dude's is like, oh, like, you know. I mean, people. People, does happen when people have money that's what they do and also i have to imagine you know she was forced all those years by her husband to i mean i say all those years but they were only married for like they were only married for like two years but you know she was forced to spend all the money that she made on her kids and he wouldn't help her out with that so it's it's yeah, like, no, you know it's and especially too. if yeah. she was making significantly less money than him i mean and yeah. now she's finally out of this toxic relationship i could see people being like okay well you know maybe she was driving a shitbox car and she upgraded her car i'm not saying everything she did was no, right. no at least she didn't kill anybody but well yeah know, no, i could see why people ne- never that. mind yeah no, you're just no, the guy's, yeah, the guy's you know. piece of shit like whatever it's like take his money do what you want with it yeah but. well anyway the court suspended pardo's payments to his ex-wife but was fully expected to resume payments upon new employment the divorce was finalized on december 18th 2008 just six days before pardo committed the mass murder and arson at the Ortega home. Investigators suspected the messy divorce was the motive and that Sylvia was the main target at the residence, though Pardo was clearly willing to completely wipe out whoever got between him and his ex-wife. Huh. Yeah, this dude just went like zero to a hundred. Yeah. Right? It's like, dude, just, just get a new job or you know, go back to court and make it stop being a try to bag. try to make a new settlement or something. Yeah. yeah, stop being a shitbag. So on the night of the massacre, Bruce packaged and wrapped up his homemade flamethrower, a device made from two pressurized tanks fused together, and put on his Santa suit, which he had recently purchased from a local costume designer. And I saw on YouTube there was a, I think it was somebody CNN or one of the news networks, and they were. They were actually interviewing the woman. It was a woman in town mm-hmm. who made costumes. And he had come in the store before and gotten costumes for like kids' birthday parties and stuff like that. And he knew th- they knew each other personally. And mm-hmm. she, he went in and was like, oh, I need a Santa suit made. 
and she assumed that he was going to go play Santa oh, at, yeah. at the at the Christmas party. Right. So, I mean, and afterwards, she was like, I had no idea. Yeah. I would never have imagined something like that happen. And she's she's like, I feel, you know, obviously it's not her fault, but she feels mm-hmm. the certain guilt. Like, she made that costume and he went and wore it. Yeah. You know, which is crazy. I, uh, I used to live in Nashua, New Hampshire at the same time when the Boston bombing happened. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a hobby store, like, literally a block away from where I lived. And the bombers were going to get supplies from that guy to really? build the bomb. And they were interviewing the owner. He's like, I have this like weird sense of guilt because he's like, I thought they were just building RC cars. You know, I thought right. they were. And he was like. Well, you would never think. I mean, you would yeah. never think, you know, what if you're an employee again at like Home Depot or something and someone comes through and they're buying like, I don't know, a shitload of piping or something yeah, like that. You you're think not, they're just doing some plumbing or you something. You just never, but. you never assume. I mean, yeah. you ne- your brain doesn't automatically assume that. It's kind of like yeah. when you hear people who find a dead body in the woods or on the side of the road. And they're like, I thought it was a mannequin. Cause you never yeah. think to think that's the type of th- shit yeah. that's happening at the time. You yeah. know what I mean? So oh, yeah. of course it's not anybody's fault, but Bruce's, but yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, I can't imagine feeling like that. Yeah. It's like if someone came in and got their hair cut to look good to get into this party and then they killed a bunch of people. Yeah. It's like, I made that guy look good so that he could get into this party yeah. and he killed people. I was, yeah. I assisted in this or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? It's just, Awful. Mm. Concealed inside the Santa suit were four nine millimeter automatic, semi automatic handguns, two of which were found on his person at his brother Brad Pardo's residence, the other two discovered in the rubble of the burnt up Ortega residence. Pardo would have known the family's annual Christmas Eve party would be taking place that night, an event which would bring most of the Ortega family together. Pardo went over to the residence and open-fired on the family, possibly killing some execution style, resorting to his homemade flamethrower when he'd used up his supply of ammunition. It is speculated by some that because of the severity of the burns Pardo had suffered, he did not actually ignite the fuel himself, but that there may have been an open flame somewhere in the home, mm. causing an explosion that he did not anticipate. So that's how he got burned. I think so. Mm. I think I, I kind of think that happened. Maybe there was candles lit or a fireplace or a wood stove or something, and he just happened to spray it, mm-hmm. and it just ignited everything. Yeah. Because I don't think he would have been standing in the center of the house. Mm-hmm. What I don't think he intended to blow himself up. No. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, he got away in a getaway car. Exactly. And there's more. So either way, he'd managed to flee the residence, change into regular clothes, and drive the 40 or so miles to his brother's house in Silmar, where he committed suicide. Police suspect that Pardo had not initially intended to kill himself, as he had, as he had not left behind a note, but that he was, in fact, planning to flee. It was initially believed by investigators that Pardo had planned to flee to Canada via a plane ticket found for a flight on Air Canada. However, it was later discovered that the flight itinerary on Northwest Airlines was from L.A. to Moline, Illinois, with a layover in Minnesota. Police discovered that he had called a friend from high, from high school days before the spree killing to say that he was planning to visit. He had visited the friend earlier in 2008. It is not known whether he actually planned to visit the friend, 
or if the flight was intended to throw off investigators. Hmm. A second vehicle rented by Pardo was discovered when a man in Pasadena reported a mysterious car parked in front of his home. When police ran the plates, they found that it had been rented by Bruce Pardo. This car, fortunately, wasn't rigged, but packed with supplies, a computer, clothes, food, water, and maps of the U.S. and Mexico were discovered inside the car. Hmm. With this new discovery, police suspected he had actually been planning to flee to Mexico, but due to the severity of his burns, abandoned all plans and instead committed suicide. Hmm. Probably because he knew he was going to get caught. Yeah. He I was like, if not- he's like, I'm so badly burned. I have to go to the hospital. If I go to the hospital, I'm going to get caught. Right. I might as well kill myself. You know, yeah. it's, Police also speculated that Sylvia's divorce attorney, Scott Nord, was another intended target. The rental car Pardo had rigged with the explosive Santa suit had been parked outside of of Nord's residence. People in the community were deeply shaken by the murder of nine members of the Ortega family. In addition to the nine deceased family members, at least 13 children were orphaned after the massacre Jesus. and two others lost one parent. That's awful. Mm-hmm. I think only as far as I know, there was only like one or two complete families that actually made it out. That's insane. Yeah. Which was Leticia and her husband and her daughter Katrina. And then I think there was maybe one other full family that actually was able to leave. I know. Yeah, fuck that guy. It's disturbing. I'm glad he's fucking dead. Those who knew Bruce Pardo were shocked that he had committed such a terrible and violent act. He was known by some as an avid churchgoer, who many described as a friendly and regular sort of guy. He had even volunteered to be an usher for the midnight mass at his local church that evening. One neighbor was even quoted as saying, I still wonder if the suit hadn't lit how the story would have ended. It may have been a much different ending. Damn. And that's the end of that. That was yeah. a crazy one, right? Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> oh my god, that's like just awful. Isn't that? I just don't get how you, you know. You, there's no. You kind of go from zero to a hundred Z- like that. Zero to a hundred. Committing yeah. no violent crimes in the past, having yeah. never been arrested. Mm-hmm. You know, guy had a good education, a high-paying job. Mm-hmm. He was married. You know, and. You know, even though it went south, it's like, holy shit. I mean, shit, he was obviously you know? like the part of the world's biggest cheap ass. I mean, he didn't even, he wouldn't pay for anything. I know. You know. But it's like, that's a huge jump to like, I mean, that's, there's a, there's a big jump from like brutally attacking someone with a, you know, attacking his ex-wife physically from being a cheap ass. That's a big jump too. Yeah. But go from cheap ass to... Spree killer, arsonist. Like. Who blows up a house and blows up a car. And, like, holy shit. Yeah, and I, I didn't... Obviously, Bruce is obviously dead, so they couldn't... Investigators couldn't talk to him about, you know, how long he had been planning this and this and mm. that. It, I kind of suspect that he had started planning something like that towards around the time that the divorce was finalized. Because Mm -hmm. remember, in the summer, he lost his job. And he was still, even though his payments were suspended, he was still expected Mm -hmm. to give Sylvia all this money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people in this world who get divorced and, you know, they have to give their ex, 
you know, however, whatever amount of money. And then they find out that, you know, their ex is out buying all this stuff, which is none of their fucking business. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever is settled in court is settled in court. You go buy whatever, you know, and as shitty as that may be, you know, I mean, I I just, it just doesn't, I just couldn't, I, I wouldn't kill somebody over that. You know what I mean? Especially blowing up a whole house and Mm -hmm. shooting a little girl in the face after you show up dressed as Santa and she's all excited to see you and, yeah, there's literally nothing that could make me mad enough to shoot a kid in the face. <laughs> like, oh, definitely not. No, I really couldn't shoot anybody in the face. No. Yeah, I couldn't shoot. And like you, know. you said, I mean, even if I was that pissed off by the time I got to Home Depot to buy the supplies, <laughs> it would have cooled off because that's what happens every fucking time. You know, mm-hmm. every time I get pissed off, mm-hmm. not that I'm going to blow you up, but, mm-hmm. you know, every time I get pissed off and I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of here. It's like within a couple minutes, I chill out you know i mean mm-hmm. most people do that but i don't know i just not this guy not this guy and i'm just curious because like i said they obviously police never got to talk to him about it but you know I, I feel like he just probably felt at the end he was like you know i lost my job i'm still expected to pay her all this money she doesn't deserve it because she's living with her parents and she's mm-hmm. now driving a mercedes or whatever and mm-hmm. blah, blah blah so he's like i'm gonna kill her and her whole family it's like yeah. that's the solution to and me. i feel like that's I mean, that stuff if it didn't work the for- first time with the court thing, I mean, like, if it's, he could have, there's, I mean, there's literally an infinite number of ways this guy could have handled this better. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. But I feel like one Obviously. of them being, you know, keep fighting it. I mean, get a different lawyer. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's, it's money. It's like, it's, it sucks, but it's, it's money. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, that's what surprised me was that, z- that zero to 60 with this guy. Holy shit. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I know it's crazy, and, and I, I kind of wish he didn't die. I kind of wish he did. They did catch because they would have caught him. Yeah, they would have put him in prison. Yeah, you know, and he would have been there the rest of his life. He wasn't very old. I mean, he was forty-five years old. I think it's just the worst. I think worse than death would be rotting away in, in prison and, and being known oh, for yeah. what you did, and, and he would have been to live with what you did. Oh yeah, and he would have been easy in, way you know, out. Maximum security, possibly solitary, for the rest of his life. You know, yeah, and yeah. that's that's a, I. I I would take death over that. So, I mean, I hate when these motherfuckers blow their head off or, or kill themselves after something horrible. I'm like, God damn it, I wish he got caught, you know? You know, but I really, really, really hope so badly that he suffered, like, the utmost yeah, the, the from burns. those burns and that Santa suit had melted and parts mm-hmm. of it was was adhered to his skin and on mm-hmm. his arms and stuff like that. Like, he was probably in agony, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and I hope so. I mm-hmm. hope he was there for... Sitting yeah, knowing his for little, hours, knowing that his he was, plan was fucked. He was oh, so he was screwed. Oh, he was fucked. Yeah, and yeah. he knew it. Yeah. yeah. So that was a bit of a heavy one. Maybe next week we'll do something. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> a little lighter, you know. After yeah. Bear Brook, I hope you all liked Bear Brook. By the way, that was a uh, that was a really crazy episode, and we were out in the woods recording that. I know the audio quality was a little a little fucky, but you know. She, shout out to our friend uh, Alfredo. He told it. He said something real cool to us. He says, uh, "What do he say?" He's like, "I am a." He's like, "I'm a diehard creepy." <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's, thanks, Fredo, and thanks all the other creepies too. Big listener to the podcast. That was really cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much, and we really hope that you enjoyed today's episode about the Christmas Eve massacre. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed it. I would say I find it very interesting because, like we were saying, you just can't imagine being this guy and why, you know, going zero to a hundred like that. It's just absolutely crazy. So yeah. Um, So yeah, like I had said at the beginning of this episode, we are going to be revamping this podcast just a little bit. We have the new 
podcast theme music that Nick made for us over this weekend that I absolutely love. I'm going to be commissioning someone to do some new artwork for us. And yeah, you may get some new types of episodes in the future, possibly some mini episodes. Mm. Yeah, we never know where this journey will take us. But yeah, in the meantime, if you'd like, you can follow us on social media, Instagram at creepyourheartout underscore pod. Insta- no, I said Instagram. Twitter at creepyho underscore pod. Yes, pod. Or if you have a story about something that happened to you or a friend you know or anything that you would like to hear read on the podcast, you can email us at creepyourheartoutpod at gmail.com. And if you're listening and you really enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review and a rating. We may even read your rating on the podcast on a future episode. So we will see you all next Monday. Bye, creepies. Creep you later.